Mr. Shute says, hi, Marisa. So nice to see you. Wayne's World in Manny. Oh, <laughs> oh, we got too much music. Oh, my goodness. Let's not start that yet. Uh, and, well, um, Tia, happy Culture Cast Day. Thank you for inviting me. I was just saying this morning that I'm so proud of us. So many people talk about doing things and never get it together. Right. You asked me, I said yes, and we started booking the time and you booked the place. Right. It's so good. And it's so funny because it's also still May. And I think you know that May is also Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month. Yes. And I am all that. You are all that. So we can celebrate you and celebrate all of that and talk about that. But I, I don't know that I need to introduce you to this audience, right? I could introduce yeah, me. Go ahead. Okay. Hi, I'm Tia Career, actress and Grammy Award winning singer. <laughs> Amazing. Many people know me from Wings World, True Lies, Rising Sun. Most recently, Easter Sunday, AJ and the Queen. I love it. Rally Hunter, my own TV series, and I'm working right now on Legal and Stitch Live Action, um, a legacy from my uh, animated feature, Legal and Stitch, 20 years ago. I love it. I love that it's I'm still, still standing. standing. I love, well, you're still standing because check this. We were just talking about this. Didn't you just fly in a couple hours ago from Hawaii? I just flew in a couple hours ago from Hawaii. I was saying recently I I was supposed to go out on a 2.30 p.m. flight, but for you know production reasons, um, couldn't make that flight, so I had to fly overnight to come here and be with y'all. Oh morning. my goodness, I love it. And I'm a little love. dizzy right now, but I'll it do my best. Fabulous and beautiful per usual. And you know, people right back at you. I mean, look at us. We put on our our best for you today. Can we? Can we be sisters or cousins? We could be. We could be. Actually, yeah. we should check our twenty three and me. Actually, we totally should do that. Um, I know Michael's over here. Like, what? We totally should. So people would ask, "Wow, Tia Carrera on your Culture Cast." I know that for those of you if you're tuning in for the first time, Culture Cast is all around talking of two leaders about how they can create environments around themselves where everyone else around them can thrive. So whether it's business or life, et cetera. And so it was so great when I ran into you, you know, at that party in Hollywood. It's like, you need to do my culture cast. Oh my goodness. I listened to your culture cast and I thought, she's got all these huge leaders at corporations. What do I have to add to this? And I thought, well, you know, there is that common theme of you, wherever you enter, whatever business it is, you can affect the energy in the room. Oh. Um, you know, when you're number one on the call sheet, you can set the tone for uh, inclusivity, for um, uh, being open to people's input. I mean, there are other people that, when they're number one on the call sheet, lead like tyrants and everything's their way or the highway. So I, I think, yeah, yeah, even though I'm in a different business realm. Um, I think the behaviors are consistent. But yeah. before we like jump into it, let's talk about young Tia. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Tia, growing up before you got into the business. So let's talk about that. Yeah, I was born and raised in Honolulu, Hawaii, in an area called Kalihi, uh, which I always joke it's where Dog the Bounty Hunter did his best work. Oh. Um, it was, uh, you know, it was a mostly immigrant area and not the, uh, you know, the fancy Kahala Hawaii Kai area that you yeah. usually see on TV shows. Um, but uh, it taught me uh, that nothing is easily given to you. And I had to 
catch two buses, public buses each way to get to school. It took me an hour to and from school. And wow. I was responsible for myself and my little sisters, you know, when we were growing up to uh, to get to and from and just be, I don't know, accountable then. Uh, we had a kalamungai tree in the yard. And nice. I said, go pull some kalamungai leaves to make soup. And, uh, you know, just it was, it was a great little uh, community. Um, that, that I think informs my work ethic today. Yeah. And uh, I'm a little bit of a self-winding clock because I learned that young. Well, I'd love to just jump into AAPI lingo, mm-hmm. um, which is an acronym for Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month. Mm-hmm. So how do you identify with AAPI? Um, it's funny, I was, in, I was listening to, uh, was it uh, something Pacifica, and they were talking about um, I have the same problem when I look at the form of what do you identify as Native American, white, you know, African American, and then there's Asian, and then there's Pacific Islander. And Asian, I always think of as Chinese, Japanese, or even Indian, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so I always put a Pacific Islander because I was, I mean, really the Philippines is the furthest Western point of the right. Pacific. It totally So is. it is an island in the Pacific. Yeah. And, and, you know, Micronesia, Melanesia, Polynesia, all of these were um, colonizer terms. Uh, micro, the small islands, yeah. you know, Melanesia, yeah. the dark-skinned islands. So, I mean, they all have their own individual names, like Rangiroa, you know, Tavarua, Papaete, Moorea. So for us to separate ourselves, I feel like a, I'm a Pacific Islander, um, certainly by birth, Yeah, and, um, you know, Filipino, Chinese, Latin, you know, Spanish. I mean, there's so much mixture of our bloods. Totally so, agree. I'm every woman. <laughs> it's all in me. <laughs> That's what I feel like. I really do. Hawaii is that. We are a melting pot of all these cultures that came together and mixed it up and found their own different little patois language and pidgin English and and we all mixed our foods and that's what I love so much about Hawaii is a mixture of cultures in a beautiful symphony of diversity yeah and I wish the whole world was like that I, it's, it's I mean I was born here in Los Angeles we grew up in East LA and the first time we ever went to Hawaii I felt like we were at home just because in East LA there was a good mix of different cultures, mm-hmm. but then I don't know if you got this growing up. People would say, "So what are you? Where are you from?" Right? Oh, when I say, first moved to yeah. LA from Hawaii, I had an agent say, "Oh, why don't you have long hair? You're Asian. You you have to have long hair." So I went and bought a long haired wig oh so I could audition for shows. And I mean, it is. I had, you know, learned my Japanese accent. Well, I knew it from childhood. Yeah. Japanese accent, Chinese accent, Vietnamese accent, and of course I knew the Filipino accent. And I played all these. I feel like, you know, the the uh, the Meryl Streep of Asian accents. You know what I mean? She has all these Eastern European accents for her movies. But um, you know, as long as I, I represent uh, the truth of the individual, it's, I don't see anything wrong with yeah. with playing the different accents um, because it is the truth. We we do have different languages and ways of speaking. But um, I forgot the point of the question. See, this is the dizzy part. Oh, but okay. I'm still flying. No, I was just to come here. If you got this, you know, that's what I'm saying about Hawaii. What I love about yeah. Hawaii is that no matter what your background is, you're accepted. You're accepted mm-hmm. and you feel included and you feel like home. And I know that when I've gone as an adult, people always walk up to me and ask me about directions and where to go, mm-hmm. et cetera. And even 
the locals think I'm local, you know. Yeah, until you so, start talking. Yeah. Oh, you talk mainly. Yeah. Mainly local. Yeah. I thought you was local. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so um, let's talk about culture. But before we get into business and work culture, how do you celebrate your multiple heritages, including the Philippines? Uh, I eat my way around my culture. <laughs> <laughs> when I go to Hawaii, I could just figure out the signpost of all my favorite restaurants that I have yeah. to go to. And it's, it's you know, for my daughter's, uh, she had this AAPI event yeah. at her school, and I brought um, uh, chicken adobo nice. and uh, pancit bihon, yes. which is the noodles, mm -hmm. uh, chicken adobo, you know, chicken with the soy sauce and garlic and, and, and bailey yeah, vinegar. Bailey, vinegar. <laughs> so good. Vinegar. Yeah. Very vinegar from yeah. um and then I brought the tinikling, which is the bamboo poles. Um so I love uh you know well first of all through the food through the food and through the you know the dance to to experience all the different aspects of yeah. all the different Asian cultures. I mean Daniel Ho and I my musical partner that I won my two Grammys with, and because of him, I won my two Grammys. We did a song earlier this year that was up for Grammy, um, uh, Colors in Harmony. And if you see the video, it's on YouTube, Colors in Harmony, um, there's taiko drums, there's uh, Taiwanese uh, musicians, there's you know us doing Hawaiian, I sang in Filipino, and did Tinik Ling oh. on camera, so. Um, no way. I think if, if, there's a, if there's a way anybody can go and seek out all the different restaurants and all the different, you know, cultural folk dances. Um, that's a great way to, um, you know, dip your toe in, in waters and, and see, see, you know, it, it unfolds from there and the costumes and then dig deeper into the history. Yeah. You know, so growing up in LA, we went to culture school every Saturday. Culture so there was culture school for Filipinos and we would learn how to cook some of the basic dishes. Now I learned how to cook really with my mom and dad. And then as family came over, here to the United States, and they began to live with us. We learned how to make lumpia. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember that lumpia dough. like line. Right, you have to separate yes. the, the wrappers, which ripped very easily, right. and then you have to put the, 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 the Julian beans. Yeah, and, you, uh, actually preparing it. all of it too, cooking the food, preparing the vegetables, and then creating that line was kind of crazy. So we learned how to make lumpia and pansi, like some of the basic stuff. Coarse rice, we learned how to do that. And with the, the finger, yeah, yeah, not yeah. in not in a rice cooker, right? You put up to this line on your finger of water above the the rice, and right. you know that it's the perfect amount yeah. of water. And that's how my dad would show us how to make it too. And then we tried to learn how the, to do the tinikling. That's hard, and if, if you it's painful yeah. if you don't get it right. So if you brought that to your daughter's school, who danced the tinikling? Oh, they 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 did it. Okay. They didn't. I was I was ready to do it, but they had other hula dancers and stuff. Okay. So like, oh. Yeah, if anyone wants to know what that is, it's like these two bamboo sticks, and there's two people holding it with a rhythm, and then you're dancing in and out of the That's sticks. Like ten dance, foot right? long, yeah, heavy duty, big uh, bamboo stick. Yeah. And my parents actually met in a Filipino folk dancing group. That's no how they met. Yeah, Pearl of the Orient. My dad, when he moved here to the U.S. and he started going to school at 19, he was in some kind of folk dancing group that danced the tinikling. Tinikling and the yeah. candelaria. You have the candle on your hand that you put it around with both hands and you can put it on your forehead and on your feet sometimes and then they flip upside down. Crazy. I know. Yeah. I mean, it's it's amazing. Um, so 
we're talking about the Filipino culture. So let's talk about going into business. So I read about how you were discovered. But yes. so how did you enter the entertainment business? Uh, I was 17 years old. I was in Waikiki at the Waikiki Food Pantry shopping there when a producer's mother and father came up to me and said, Donald, you're gorgeous. Uh, you should be in my son's movie. And they had just gotten off the plane from L.A., so they were all dressed up in their you know, Beverly Hills finest. So it wasn't some sort of like seedy, like yeah. you're thinking they're weird or whatever. Nice couple. And, and I was like, wait, what, me? I've never done anything like that. And they said, well, the casting director is the one that did um, Karate Kid. Here's your number, call her, and, you know, go for an audition and uh, but you, you you have to look for it and I was like okay so I went and I made pretend yeah because uh, I'd never done any acting before I was never in like drama school or the drama club or anything but I had been singing so I wasn't shy yeah. in front of the camera um, and got this part in this little movie called Aloha Summer that's gotten more press from my yeah. origin story <laughs> I should probably get the rights to this movie because uh, <laughs> Take notes. Honey. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, uh, Aloha Summer, and um, got my Screen Actors Guild card, and uh, had the female lead in a film, and moved to Los Angeles. So it was easy for me to get an agent and uh, get out there and continue working. So did it's you, a lucky, lucky. Did you move at 17, 18 years old to LA? Yeah, right after I did the movie. Wow. I moved here in uh, October of '84, and oh, I graduated nice. in May of '84. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Yeah. Just in time to come out to La La Land. Well, my parents couldn't afford to send me to college, yeah. and my grades were, you know, B plus, A minus. That's not enough for a scholarship. Yeah. So it was really fortuitous that uh, I, you know, went down this aisle in a grocery store, and these people happened to be in there at that exact moment. It was, uh, I was very blessed. It was a very yeah. serendipitous occurrence. Um, I always wondered if I had zigged instead of zagged, how different my life would be. Yeah, I think it says something about, though, I know opportunity sometimes is lucky, but then you need to be ready for it. And, and then also to come yeah. back it up with a lot of hard work for the next 40 years. That's right. The yeah. fact that you have had this training from singing and that you were not shy at all, I mean, that you mm -hmm. had this beautiful voice to begin with and knew how to perform before you knew you were going to be performing as acting an actress, wise, right? Yeah. Acting-wise, right? And so what was it like when you first got to L.A.? Uh, it was uh, a little terrifying. I remember going to the laundry, uh, go to the laundry, laundromat over on, like, Santa Monica Boulevard and Beachwood and hearing gunshots. So it was a little sketchy back then down in that area. Um, and a lot of sharky people that say they would do stuff and yeah. didn't. And people that ended up taking more than they gave me. But somehow that work ethic, that... I've got no plan B, just kept moving forward. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, there was a time when I, somebody had taken all my money and I had to live in the hallway of my agent's house. Oh my goodness. As, after being on a soap opera and modeling and making all this money and I had $300 in the bank. And, yes. but no plan B, no, I go, no going back home. Uh, I continued and uh, lived in my, my agent's hallway uh, for about six months until I earned enough money to get first lesson deposit on another single room apartment, yeah. not unlike this. You know, I'm glad you shared that story because I think a lot of people have been there where they've had some success and then for whatever reason, they trust the wrong people. Yeah. Then they're starting from square one again and starting over. So like big business people that their first company goes bankrupt and they just have to believe that there was something that they, they analyze it, they figure out what they did wrong and they change the cap. Yeah. Yeah, so hard work, what does that look like? So how did you keep fresh, creative throughout this time? 
Uh, geez. Uh, I guess I just was so young. I mean, I was at 17 when I moved here and uh, far braver than I probably should have been. Um, and I just kept going. And I mean, also, I got success early. Yeah. So to be the female lead in a film, that's some sort of validation that maybe you know something, maybe yeah. you're doing something right. Um, you know, getting cast on a soap opera uh, for a year and a half. Okay, well, you can work and you can sustain yourself over a period of time. So you made the wrong choice in trusting yeah. this person. Okay, okay, so let's change that and, uh, and make sure you uh, follow a different path and you can continue to work. So I just had that self-belief and, and fortunately I had you know validation because I had other people in my yeah. acting class that weren't so fortunate and they had to go, okay, you know what? Maybe this isn't working for me. I have to find a different uh, revenue stream because LA is not... Uh, inexpensive to live in. Oh, totally. So. And you know, when I hear you talk about self-belief, this is tangential, but totally related. Did you see that there's a new Muppet on Sesame Street? Yes, Filipino. Right? I, <laughs> I love him. I was like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's wonderful. Yeah, his name is TJ. I was mm -hmm. reading all about him. Um, so fired up. His name should have been Bong. Well, <laughs> that would have been a bridge too far, maybe. I don't know that people would have fully understood that. No. But he probably has a nickname, but probably yeah. not on camera with yeah. Sesame Street. And when you're talking about self-confidence, his debut on Sesame Street was wild. And that, not that I watched it, I, I'm going to go find it. I yeah. thought about it. And he has a Korean friend, Ji Young, who debuted a couple of years ago, I think in 2021. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I haven't seen the show in a long yeah. time, obviously. Yeah, they were talking about the word confidence. And I love it. I think in the context of Grover saying that he can hop over um, how high these trash cans were, but they were talking about confidence and having self-belief, you know, in doing something that you don't think you can be doing and then inspiring that in others. Yeah. Uh, it's, it, I mean, especially in show business, well, I don't know. It, it, there's no, there's no clear path. Yeah. It's sort of like if, even if you enter into a company of a business that you have no prior knowledge of, there seems to be a path of you start here assisting someone, then you become the boss and become a manager and you work your way up to vice yeah. president, president. In show business, there is no path. It's just, you figure it out. You're the only, I'm always making the joke that I'm the crash test dummy of my life. <laughs> just trying to, by trial and error, just keep going head first into those walls and trying try to figure a way around the situation um and that takes a lot of confidence um and it, it destroys a lot of people because you're the product when yeah. you're an actor performer yeah. a creative person it's hard not to take it personally um but somehow i maybe i have like a bad memory i forget all yeah. the bad stuff that happens or you know conveniently so i compartmentalize that and um I, that's where i think resilience and and Sort of looking at it as a game, yeah, um, so that it doesn't rock you to your core. I think that's the occupational hazard of what I do and what is particular to this town, you know. Yeah, I think it's interesting though. You say two things. One is, um, how do you believe in yourself and and first compartmentalize, right? So how do you make sure you stay focused and compartmentalize? But then the other piece is trying not to take it personally. But I think if you're passionate about what you're doing, you should take it personally. Right, it's hard, but it's it, that's the stuff that breaks you. I mean, okay, from from Daniel Day Lewis saying, "I'm not going to be an actor anymore. This is too hard for me." For him, it's like the internal mechanism of acting that part, yeah. and the part of him that that just, it, I mean, because he, he goes to the nth degree to, to to create a character. But I mean, 
look at people like, I don't know, any number of starlets that have mental problems or drug or alcohol things because they're trying to hype themselves up to go back out there to be told no for this thousandth time and to think what's wrong with me i'm no longer pretty yeah. enough i'm no longer young enough i'm no longer the child actor performer um you have to be able to on some level see it as a game i hear you and okay. and, and and step back and and i know because i've been in the casting room on the other side when uh when i was involved uh, with a, a film company um and i would be privy to the castings and I see people coming in, I see how nervous they were. And the reason why they weren't chosen had nothing to do with them or anything they did. They just didn't fit the type of the other actor that's yeah. already cast, or they were taller than them. They were too short that whatever, there, there was no chemistry between the two leads. And I guess maybe seeing that made me take it less personally. And uh, Clive Owen came up with a great uh, take on it. He said, I don't see um, auditions as a negative thing. I see it as maybe that's going to be the only time I get to play this character. So I'm going to have fun with it. Yeah. You have to create a playfulness and take that, that heaviness of they don't want me. There's something wrong with me. Yeah. You just do you. And sometimes it dovetails with the greater vision of the project. And sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. I love though. Yes. You just do you because that's who you are and you just never know. I think sometimes people, from a business standpoint, feel like, oh, we're trying to hire for this. I, mm. I hear you. And there's specific experiences required right, for a role. What I'm hearing you talk about is, and on top of that, there's probably a certain look, a certain whatever, right, for whatever role that you're, you're um, trying to audition for. And I think people go into this, and when they lose themselves, mm. and they, they try so hard, I'm going to remember everything about this experience, and I mean, I've seen it as an interview. I'm going right? to treat. I'm going to try to be more like that yes. actor or actress. You, you can't be them. Be you. Yeah. And I've gone into the room, and I, for AJ and the Queen, my RuPaul TV series on Netflix, I went in, and when I played the role, Michael Patrick King, who did Sex in the City, he goes, "I can't like I had never envisioned the part like how you played it, Tia, but I love what you yes. brought to this because it was something that surprised him. He had written something thinking it was this." But when I brought myself to it, it became greater. So that's where if you trust yourself, you can elevate, you know, the experience for even the person that started out thinking that it was going to be this little, um, this particular thing. And you yeah. inject your humanity, your personal experience, your heritage, yes. your power, and your mana, your everything. And then it becomes saying something greater than what was originally even written or intended. I love that. I actually had a, a former a former boss who became a mentor. His name is Dan Ginsburg. He at once was the CEO of Red Bull North America. I'd gone on to a different job, and it was hard. It was hard being a female, being at the top human resources role, working with a bunch of men. You know, testosterone yeah. business. Totally. Right? Well, yeah. you know, we I moved on to another role, and I got a lot of shade. I'll just say shade in that, oh, oh well, are you married? How many children do you have? What church do you go to? Like very stereotypical down the middle of Female. the country, right? And I'm working with all these males. And then all of a sudden, uh, we, we did this thing called 360 feedback where you get feedback on leadership behavior. And then there's kind of open-ended answers. And someone wrote in 
like, well, did you see what Marisa was wearing? She wore that to the office. And I'm thinking, okay, you I would never, never do that to a guy. Well, A, never to a guy. But then B, it's not like I'm inappropriate going to a club, going to the office. And so mm -hmm. I remember talking to my boss, who was a CEO at that company at the time. And, and he is just like, Marisa, you just got to let shake, right? Like, don't let them phase you. But the fact that I'm hearing this from other peers who are complaining about what I'm wearing as an example. Um, and so I was talking to Dan. I guess your my feelings. Yeah. Because in that moment, you're like, it's me. It's totally me, yeah. you know? And I think when I got the feedback, well, maybe you can tone down a little bit what you're wearing. So when I go down, I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I know I can do this job. That's why they hired me. Clearly, and you they, took their, uh, you toned down. Yeah, I can see that they were really, yeah, exactly. You do yeah. you. I. Yeah, you do you, and though. You're yeah, perfect, just the way you are. Yeah, and I think the the saying that sticks with me for Dan is he's like Marisa, you can do this job. He said, you know, you have experience, you have jobs, but you can't forget the beauty of the talent is who you are. Mm -hmm. It's not all these other things. So I love that you're sharing that story. Yeah, it's it, it's it's a, it took a lot of years of therapy, a lot of you know looking back and analyzing uh, you know where things went wrong or where you know because there was a time where I was really overwhelmed um, I was in you know two of the biggest movies in the world you know Wayne's World yeah. True Lies and it became very overwhelming and I was flying a different city every you know and there's some weird sound yeah we're um, up on Sunset Boulevard and I think there's a construction going on. And, okay. You know, <laughs> as long as it's not a yeah. system that's yeah, like, not us. Yeah. Okay, cool. Sorry. It was it's, not at home. it's the voices in my head that are talking. No, it's this keeping sound like yeah. either the French fries are ready or someone's backing up. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. Right. That's what it is. It's a okay. dump truck. All right. So it's not me losing my mind. Like, wait, what's going on? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it, it was, it was a very, I mean, this trip to this place today, 40 years later, was not without adversity, a lot, a lot of twists and turns and disappointments and basically homelessness, as you heard earlier. Right. Um, but you have to work on the foundational skills. And for me, that was going back to uh, analysis. Yeah. And, you know, five days a week at a certain point, then three days a week, then once a week, and then just like, okay, you know, I'm in a place where I'm not just this tangled up ball of rubber bands yeah. of different colors and sizes. I could put them in where they came from. And when things well up, I go, okay, that's why that happens is because it triggers this in me. Okay. That's why that's making me feel insecure in this moment. Uh, that's all right. I know yeah. where it comes from. So I think ownership of who you are, where you came from, we're imperfect beings um, and in, in a difficult business and a different, difficult yeah. world sometimes. Um, I worry for my daughter and their generation because their little brains aren't fully formed and they're looking at images and yeah. scrolling through stories that are trying to inject fraudulent information into their brain. So totally. I don't know what to do. Well, it's interesting forward, yeah, that you bring that up because it's this next gen, right? This next generation that's coming up in the world that um, is the most anxious. And if you and they're not as tied to their culture either, which leaves right. them adrift, I think, that's a, right. a lot. Um, and that's why we're seeing, this is my theory, why we're seeing a lot of tattooing and piercings and stuff. There's that lack of connection to your heritage and your culture. So they're trying to create culture for themselves. I'm the tattoo pierced yeah. counterculture. I you know, identify with you. I'm not my, I don't know, you know, right. Yeah. Right. Parents or whatever. Yeah. And it's, it, 
it's it's a hunger for that, and I wish we could figure out a way. Um, you know, even though I was born and raised in Hawaii, my daughter is um, here. Yeah, and and uh, I, I feel sad about that, but I don't know how to remedy that situation. That's, yeah, that's what I'm looking at. I think it's everything that you talked about, though. I think um, at some point. These young people coming up who are going to go into entertainment or go into the business world. And again, May is also Mental Health Awareness Month. Mm-hmm. You know, so when you talk about, um, I'm going to use the word self-awareness and really take the inventory of what's going on with you. And you also use the word resilience. You know, to me, I think resilience is really having a clue about what's going on with you, like who you are, what you believe, what you stand for. And then understanding when the world throws just crazy stuff at you, you know, you have control over how you choose to react. Right? That's the only thing yeah. you have control over. Yeah. Is you have no control over the bad stuff that happens, but you can control how you let it rock you, how you let it wash over you. Right. You know, how you maybe knocks you back for a second, but you bounce back up and you'll find your center again. Yeah, so that's a good tip for those thinking about how I keep my mental fitness going on as I find my way in the world. But like, get help if you need it. Oh, totally. It's it's a tough time now, I think, especially after COVID. It's uh, it it um, was a reset for people, but it also brought up a lot of difficult things. In you know, maybe it was underneath, and they were handling it. But after that, it really kind of set them on the back foot and. I think the most important thing is is that we don't stigmatize it. And if you do need help, talk to somebody. Yeah, I agree. I think too. While I, I will say the word silver lining from a business context, if anything, COVID taught large businesses that you have human beings at the center. Mm-hmm. You know, creating the product, delivering the services, so that companies can make money. And there's mm-hmm. one terminology that I have been so nerding out over, and it's this whole notion of the emotional laborer. So totally old school, goes back to 1983. And it was the terminology for um, hourly workers where part of their job and their professional task is to mask their emotions, right? So you think about the front line, right? right. And so I think it's super relevant today, whether or not you're a frontline worker, and if you're a leader, understanding coming back from COVID, you know, it's over, but it did bring up all these anxieties, anxieties, phobias. Yeah. And it's, it, it presents aggression. Yeah. A new challenge for leaders and how they can ensure that, Hey, it's a thriving, productive workplace. So it's interesting. You bring all of that up, but you also did bring up, we have to talk about Wayne's world. So (laughs) tell me about how that ended up happening. Like, that was quite something because at that time I was a hair's breadth away from being cast on Baywatch. And oh, I know a very divergent path. It was one of those forks in the road where you, you could go left, you could go right. And I was very far along with Baywatch and it was uh, uh, to play the marine biologist girlfriend of Hasselhoff and blah, blah, blah. Wow. And uh, there was only one more thing, which was a swimming test or something. And I kept dragging my feet with my agent. I said, they sent me the script for Wayne's world and I read it and I was like, this is the part. Yes. This is, I cannot picture. I was so certain in my heart of hearts, like there was nobody else that can play this part, but me, you know, singing, acting, you know, uh, kicking butt, you know, the martial yeah. arts and stuff. And that's everything that I'd done up until that point. And oh, the heavy Cantonese accent that oh, seems yeah. like Pat Benatar. Yeah. I couldn't think of anybody else that could play it. I was so certain. I said, 
I, I want to go in for this. Let's get like get further along, yeah. drag your feet with the Baywatch negotiations and all that kind of stuff. And and I could have lost both, but it was a gamble that paid off. I remember getting that call. You got it. I was like, yes, oh, jumping my up and down. Um, but I, I don't know why. I just, I had this really deep belief that that part was for me. It will be mine. Amazing. Oh, yes, it will be mine. So what was, what was the audition like? Did you have um, to read with Mike Meyer? Did, was there? No. Oh, okay. Um, I went over to Paramount and, you know, there were like, handful of girls that I'd seen at yeah. a, a number of other auditions and just went in and did the scene and they said, can you sing? It's not necessary. And it's like, then I started singing, heartbreaker, dream maker, love taker, don't you mess around with me. And uh, like, oh yeah, yeah. I said, I, I sang with a rock band when I was in junior high and entered talent contests. You know, that's where my singing experience yes. paid off. Um, and First audition, then second audition, and I think like the third audition, um, it was the final callback, and I saw some of those same girls again. And Mike Myers was there, and he came out. And he goes, "You know, you're you're my choice. Uh, you're doing great. Just keep doing what you're doing." And I was like, "That was the Amazing. wind in my sails that yes. just pushed me forward and just made me trust in myself." Yeah. You know, in that moment. All that doubt and negativity. Oh, I'm not as skinny as her. I'm not as pretty as her. I'm not what as known as her. Whatever it is, you know. Yeah. It's just it's kind of brutal when you're sitting in a room and you're looking at everybody that you're up against. It's just crazy. That's the the upside of doing remote auditions now. Um, but uh, just him telling me that was was all the difference in the world, and and I got it. And it, <sighs> it, it was so the movie awesome. that changed my life. Well, it's interesting you talk about like, I'm not pretty enough or I'm not this or I'm not that. It sounds like a lot of women, especially that I mentor around this whole thing around imposter syndrome, right? They're like, oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not going to get this job. But I love your advice of, hey, look, believe in yourself, right? And I think too, there's a notion of when it's right, the chemistry's right, right? The energy's there. Right. And in, in, in making of a movie, particularly, it's like you're making a great big stew. And the difference between yeah. two people in the room could be between paprika and cumin. Yeah. What do they want in their stew today? Do you know the difference between paprika, cumin or whatever? You know, yeah. it's so minuscule. So yeah. all you can do is bring yourself, your fullest, most realized self and be daring and be bold and be individualistic and don't try to be anybody else but you. You know, I love that. Yeah. And I think it's just great advice for anybody in life and how they navigate, you know, it served me well. I mean, it's, I mean, my, yes, that's my North star. Just, and then that, did that lead you to true lies or did you have to audition for that? Like I had to, every single thing oh that goodness. I've ever wanted okay. that has been great. Um, I've had to audition for the one thing I didn't get was I auditioned for heat and I really wanted yeah. that role. I mean, Pacino and De Niro, are yeah. you kidding me? Yeah. And at least I know that I gave a, a killer audition. I just wasn't, you know, what the vision that they had for it. But the casting director was like, that was fantastic. Yeah. And, and I felt really good. It was a very emotional scene. And yeah, so it, it, uh, it uh, I had to go in. I flew to Miami and stayed in a hotel room, I think for 24 hours, like walking back and forth, going over and over the lines for True Lies. It was a monologue. And then I finally went in and auditioned for uh, Jim Cameron and, and got that role. And it was perfect, juxtaposed with what I did in Wayne's World to what I did in True Lies. 
you know, for an actor, you want to create that, oh, I can do this, yes. but I can also do that. It was, they were so far removed. It's so great. And genres and characters. And it was such a gift to yeah. be able to play both of those roles. And I can't believe the stuff that I've been able to do. Well, I think it, it, <laughs> you actually demonstrated um, in mainstream, like to everybody, kind of the diversity of experience and, and character that you can play. And I just remember when Wayne's World came out and then that movie came out and we went to go see that too. Look, I mean, you are an idol. You know, I think about there is someone who looks like me who is actually a star, right? Like an actress out there on the big screen. That is unusual. It's well, I'm, unusual. I'm very, I'm very um, grateful. And uh, it humbles me to think that there's a generation of actresses out there who call themselves actors. They don't even have to define those as actresses anymore because they're in a different time. And uh, that I somehow pushed that, squeaked that door a little bit more open for people that look like me. And yeah. uh, when I meet them at these you know, appearances and they say, I didn't think it was possible before I saw my, you on screen that I could actually be there at the table. And that makes me feel really good. Yeah, I think you are a pioneer. You've kind of paved the way for others who may not have your heritage, but they are, you know, different. And just creating that, again, opening up that door and, you know, making that happen for other people and inspiring confidence and belief in themselves to do it. Yeah, I've been, I've been really, really fortunate. And I, I love um, all the different ethnicities, ethnicities that I've been able to play and all the different types of characters. And um, to speak to that, right now there's kind of this troubling trend that I wish I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's like corporations that are worried about um, authenticity. Okay, yeah. first I'm an, I'm an actress. Yeah. And I played Japanese, Chinese, Vietnamese, you know, Thai, um, mixed race. Uh, and now I'm seeing on audition things, you have to be of actual Tongan, Fijian, Samoan blood. And I, and I find that, very uh, exclusionary. It's very hard um, huh. to, okay. to, to say. It's. It, I've seen a lot of specificity, like uh, one Native American. You have to have Native American blood and prove it, or Hawaiian blood. And it's. They don't ask Australian actors why are you playing an American. They don't ask English actors why are you playing American. They don't ask Americans why are you playing an Irish character or or an Italian person yeah. playing a Mexican character. Why do you have to dissect it down and be so reductive? I don't understand where it came from. I don't know if it's like a small group of particular, uh, I don't know, performers or if it's the corporations that are being so ultra careful, but it makes it harder for someone like me yeah. to continue to work because when you, I'm going to, I'm going to have to only play, you know, Filipino, Spanish, Chinese, Hawaiian yeah. characters. How often is that going to come up unless I write it myself? Right. So it's it's kind of this this weird place right now where I, I'm a little confused how to how to negotiate these waters because I think if we're all sort of mixed and it, of of the Pacific Islands, I mean I don't know why it has to be so exclusionary like that because I don't see that in the white or Caucasian roles. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I it's didn't weird, know right? that. I Isn't think weird? it's weird because yeah. to your point there could be a white person coming in and auditioning for an Irish or a Scottish, whatever, but they don't need to prove that. 
right? Yeah, yeah. Do we now need to walk around with our 23 and me? Yeah. Is yeah, that what the deal yeah. is? That's so that's the thing that I'm having a little hard time with because there's some roles that I, I'm looking at and I'm saying, hey, I, I'd like to go yeah. in for this, and this is what I'm getting back. So that's an interesting um it's like the pendulum swung so far so how, in the other direction. How are they now. explaining that? It's not though? like you know white people playing yellow yeah. face yeah, or yeah, yeah. putting on black face. Yeah. That yes, clearly offensive. That's wrong. But if you're mixed race Polynesian, you know Pacific Islander, why can a Hawaiian person not play a you know a Tongan person? Yeah. Why can a Filipino person not play a Fijian person? I mean, we have uh, Maori from New Zealand that are playing Hawaiian yeah. in films, and you know. There's it's it's there's precious little for us to begin with. Yeah. So um, this is this is the hard next step in, in in what I'm seeing in in the marketplace for someone like me to continue moving forward. Wow, that is surprising to hear that. It's almost like it went backwards, just you know a little bit. If they're getting really specific around, oh, you need to prove your it's heritage blood. and your yeah. blood. Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I was just talking to another actor that was facing that with the same thing, and I'm like, we're both from Hawaii, yeah. and what was going on? Why are we not? You know. So it's, it's a little hard. So if you're watching, help us out there. Right. You know, it makes me think about. We'll figure it out. We're yeah. resilient. We'll figure out a way yes. around this one. It, it just, I, I think there's a lesson learned here, though. It, may, it sounds like it's gone a step too far. I just don't mm -hmm. know the ins and outs of why specifically the bloodline needs to be proved, mm -hmm. proven. But I think about, um, you know, the role of diversity in corporate America. Right. So here's the good news. The good news is, like, let's talk about your daughter, this next generation coming into this workplace is the most diverse, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you think, think about backgrounds, it's a mix, like, it, it's beautiful. And I think the opportunity now, although the behaviors for diversity as you move up in the organization, it's more around how do you include people, right? How do you create environments where they feel like they can be themselves and they can thrive and be productive? And so when I hear you tell that story around, well, you've got to have like the specific blood. Yeah. That, yeah. that makes no sense to me. It, it, it doesn't to me. I mean, yes, I realize you're trying to protect it so that actual Polynesian people can get the jobs, but we are in the area. We are Pacific Islanders. We are all of the same ilk. So then why are you going to divvy it up so much so that it makes it difficult for actors to act and that are, that have that culture in their hearts and have grown yeah. up in the culture. And, and we're all very, it's minuscule, the, the, the differences in our cultures. So, well, I'd love to talk about culture more broadly in the entertainment industry. Like how, how would you describe it? Like, what is it like working in the entertainment industry? Ah, uh, geez. I mean, I think it's changed a great deal okay. since I started out 40 long years ago. <laughs> I almost made you spit up. Like <laughs> oh, that would have been another spit take. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's it's funny. I it's like, oh my gosh, you don't have to date yourself. I'm like, it's just the truth. I mean, you can look it up on Google. It's just all that. I've, my my filmography speaks the truth. It's um, I remember. I mean, not just as a culture, like uh, ethnicity and heritage. Being a female yeah. in Hollywood was fraught. And there was no HR that you could go to and say, um, I'm getting harassed by this guy on set. You just had to go, oh, stop it and just elbow him or punch him in the shoulder. You're like, yeah. treat him like a naughty uncle. And, oh, you're so, blah, 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 you know, uh, and sort of tap dance around really, really sketchy situations that today 
you would not cross that line with somebody. Um, so it was it was a double double threat, really, when yeah. I came to Hollywood um, as a seventeen year old. Um, so it was it was very very uh, confusing and difficult trying to be self-protective and still strive forward and believe that you can, you know, get there even uh, with everything that you're facing. Um, I think today there are a lot more roles where you see um, accepting all uh, submissions of all ethnicities. Oh, okay. um, That I did not see until probably 10, 15 years ago. Really? So, I mean, I've been here for 40 years. I didn't see it until like 15 years ago. Um, That's a great stride forward. Um, and when I've gone into the room, the final calls for things and I'll see, you know, African-American, Asian, you know, East Indian, um, uh, uh, occasional blonde or, you know, Amazing. American yeah. looking. Yeah. So um, that that's pretty cool that we're we're up against each other for our our essence yes. rather than our external packaging. Oh my God. That's a win for all of us. I think that just so translates in the business world too. You know, I think um, especially in the last five years, 10 years, large companies have been more intentional about ensuring that there was equity in terms of representation, whether it's gender, you know, male or female. Mm -hmm. Well, look Um, at you. I mean, you're everything, (laughs) you know, in corporate America also, you know. Well, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. We are the same. We are the same. In different worlds, we are the same. I, it's like who could be cousins. That's, we are cousins. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it, it's more so now, though, where companies are now being intentional about understanding that broader pipeline of talent that is out there. Mm-hmm. Instead of, I don't know if it's like this in entertainment, oh, they know that person. They're going to get the job, right? Oh, I know that person. I'm going to hire that person. Versus like, let's understand who's out there who actually has the skills and experiences and give them the chance to interview for the role, right? Instead of just having that close network. And I think that's what diversity and inclusion is all about. But then I hear you too as a female, I mean, in business, you know, growing up, I think it's maybe generationally too before human resources actually had a real role when it was not, when it was to protect still, yeah, people to protect and to people. hold them uh, uh, others accountable for their bad actions. Absolutely. No, cause I remember being young and learning in my career and, you know, when you're young and wide eyed and, mm-hmm. you know, trying to learn from everybody. And then I remember this one guy, this was one of my first jobs. He um, would stalk me in the lunchroom. Like he'd find me in the lunchroom. Oh, what are you having today? Like something weird like that, right? And we weren't even in the same department. I think he was in marketing or finance. Mm. And then it went to following me back to my office where I sat. And then I thought, this is really weird. Standing in the doorway, blocking your exit. A little bit like that. Yeah. Yeah. And like, well, maybe we can meet up for drinks after, after work. I'm like, no, that's okay. And then I remember him just continuing on with maybe we can have breakfast together. And then I'm like, maybe you need to meet my manager who was actually right behind him walking into the office behind me. And I, I don't, I mean, I was HR, right? So who do I go to? I went to my manager and said, what's your name again? I'm going to make his name Luke. Luke, this is my manager. Why don't you ask him to, to breakfast? You know, and it was like one of those we had to find oh, nice. yourself. You yeah. said it like that. Good oh, for, for sure. You. Yeah. And what yeah. did your boss do? How did your boss back he, you up? His name was Cliff Tipton. I loved him because he was always happy-go-lucky, always very positive. And he goes, 
hey, Luke, so how do you know Marisa? Like, do you do you guys work together? Like, are you working on a project together? And then he's like, well, you probably have no business being here then. Like, nice. he, that's the way he handled it. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Oh, that's really, I like that. Yeah. I agree with you, though. Now the role is how do you make sure that people feel like they can be themselves and thrive and the role that human resources and um, people experience play is helping to create a culture really through leaders. Like leaders own that. It's not HR is going to go police it, right? Leaders have to, to behave well. Well, like I said, number one on the call sheet sets the tone for the set. That's right. And if you're enthusiastic and you welcome people's input and you're, you know, they, they feel that they can bring things to you, there's a conversation, there's an energy, there's a, you know, a synergy. And if you lead by, you know, attrition and I'm the, I'm the ruler here and you all are in my fiefdom, then, then, then it's going to be different. And so I think it's for the, uh, you know, corporate leaders out there to really listen to people and see where, where they're having difficulties yeah. and, and, and backing them up, Yeah, you know, and being firm in, 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 supporting them. I agree with you. I think about, and I say this all the time, I think culture is not just what companies espouse their purpose and their values are, but it's a reflection of leadership behavior. Yeah. It's not right? this airy fairy no. sort of like inspirational poster on yeah. the wall. It's every day. How do you handle different situations that come up? And that creates each little instance creates the culture. Oh my gosh, you're right. And it's how leaders behave because they're going to model the behavior that's acceptable or not acceptable, right? And in, mm -hmm. inside an organization. So not unlike the first one on the call sheet, kind of setting the tone. I think that's cool. Well, what advice would you give anyone who's listening in to um, create a very healthy culture where they can set the tone? Oh, boy, uh, far be it from me to ever preach or, uh, <laughs> you know, I see these life coaches online. I just shake my head. I'm like, as, as, as evolved and as much work as I think I've done, I would have a hard time telling people, these are the three ways you can attain happiness in your life. This is the seven step path towards finding true love. It's never as reductive and simplistic as that. So I would just say, you listen to that we small voice in you. And if you sit quietly, and you're really honest with yourself, do the work so you can get to the place where you're, where you're truly honest with yourself. Surround your people, surround yourself with people that can be truly honest with you and listen to that part of you that knows instinctively what's right and what's wrong for you. That's right. Oh my gosh, that's such- And stand yeah. by it and protect it. That's really good advice. You know, it's I, simple. To thine own self be true, you know? Yes, and I think it's- not so much in the head, but what you're talking about is like in the heart and the gut, you know, when you get real clarity around who you are and what you're about, honor where you came from. I mean, it's everything that you've said and listen to that voice, you know, especially when there is um, a pathway where you need to choose. Sometimes it is that looking internally. Yeah, you close your eyes yes. and you take a deep breath and you calm yourself. And, 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 you know, I, I think this is where my heritage and culture um, informs that is I just think of all the shoulders that I stand on my grandmother, her parents, and they came over on a ship. They pulled together. They worked on a plantation. 
backbreaking work. And I'm here, a movie star in Hollywood. I am so grateful and I have to do my best to be the best person that I can be, to do the best job I can. And, and that is the legacy of where I came from. And just gives me chills just thinking about, like, I think about my grandma. I'm like, oh, you know? Yeah. I, it reminds me too of family because my mom and dad immigrated here from the Mm, Philippines. Yeah. My dad was 19. My mom came by much later. She was a nurse. My dad's older than my mom. And um, we had no family. So it was just my mom and dad and then his sister who he followed. And over time, my mom would bring one sister and the next one, she had three sisters and a brother from the Philippines. They would leave their families to come and, you know, pursue the American dream and the land of opportunity. You know, and I remember this because everyone lived with us, you know, when when they all came over and watching them, you know, when you're talking about your heritage, watching uh, my direct relatives come in and try and make their way and the ground yeah, from the ground up because they could have been teachers, they could have been um, nurses, but they had to prove their way here. And what I saw, whether it was my aunts or my cousins who came over and like they eventually all came over, my mom's sisters, they had to start like an hourly minimum wage, Mm -hmm. fast food, retail. And, you know, I'm so proud. I remember my uncle Edwin coming in and staying with us, working at Popeye's. (laughs) Bonus, we get Popeye's at home all the time. (laughs) Yeah. No, my cousin worked at um, Carl's Jr. And then I have another cousin who worked at KFC. Mm -hmm. And it was amazing. I'd have seen them just pick up and then like, you know, make their way up. And so I agree Save with you. Save the money, you know, yes. get their apartment, just move out, work get your own place. And build your, yes. build your life. Yeah. It can be done. That's the great thing about being in America is, you know, we can build great and mighty things. Yeah. You know? it's, and there's no, there's no uh, hierarchy. There's no class system that keeps you down. Yes, there's economic class system, but there are ways that we can utilize some of these tools and, you know, yeah. master this capitalism system. Well, I wish that people can see kind of the behind the scenes when we are getting ready to do all of this. And here's a couple of words, and I would love for you to react, that um, you remind me of, like you just kind of espouse. One is resourcefulness. Like, where does that come from? Oh, gosh. I, I Well, I mean, I, I keep saying my grandma, yeah. but I mean, when they were growing up, they didn't have money, so but they would buy a lot of rice. So they made clothing from rice bags. Oh, wow. Um, you know, there was nothing that went to waste. And my my grandma worked as a librarian at Pearl Harbor for 50 years, and she saw a lot of paper waste. So she would take the spare paper and put gum at one end and make huge bundles of scrap paper that we would use at home for homework or for notes next to the to phone. And, you know, scraps would become, you know, a soup or whatever. It yeah. just, you you can make something wonderful out of anything. I think that's... that's uh, a great uh, superpower to have. That's awesome. In I the mean, event of a zombie apocalypse, I'm set. <laughs> right. So for those, so on the way in, we were trying to fix the mic stand because the mic kept falling. And um, oh yeah, I'm like, oh, there you go, MacGyvering it. Let's. Where's the butter knife? Like you figure that like, out. Oh, we so, need a butter knife. That's all we need. Right. That's all we needed. Come on. And then the other word too is grace. So nice. as you talk about your experience, where did, how did how did you form that? Because I think that's also a great skill to have in the business world. Oh, I don't know. Well, I don't know exactly what you mean by grace, uh, grace under fire, like yeah. uh, somehow keeping my composure That's and right. kindness. And I think that 
stems from empathy because I, I always, when I see somebody, even if they're a terrible, you know, angry person at that moment, I just wonder what, you know, what happened before or where, yeah. you know, may, maybe something bad happened to them. Maybe I, I, I'm curious. I'm always constantly curious about the human condition and I love talking to strangers and learning things about them. And so I have this great empathy for all different kinds of people. And that, that gives me, uh, you know, the, the perspective of, of, of being kind when you meet someone. Yeah. No, I think I relate to you on that. I, um, I feel like in my upbringing, I've been observing human behavior for as long as I can remember. And I guess that's not a surprise. It really serves you in your, in no, your right. business. 100%. Not a surprise ending up in a career in people, you mm -hmm. know, in human resources. I and love people, don't yeah, you? I do too. I love learning I feel about like, people, I mean, all different kinds of people. Yeah, I really do feel like this is kind of like, opposite mirror day because it's there's so many parallels in our background but in different industries which is wild mm. really wild well if you were to give one more piece of advice to anyone listening on um how to pay it forward to others you're talking about <sighs> you know being kind how do you take this gift and this experience that you've had and help pay it forward to others um I know uh, in, in a number of instances when people come up to me and they say, oh, I, 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 I want to do what you do, but I, I, I don't know if I can do it. Take the time to speak to them. Like I'll spend 20 minutes at a front desk of a, of a, a you know, hotel and talk to somebody about their hopes and dreams and sort of suss it out for them and say, well, you know, if that's all you ever see yourself doing and, and you owe it to yourself to, to um, unwrap this and, and try it yeah. you know, to the best of your ability, try it, you know, uh, give yourself a timeline. And, you know, it's usually like, should I follow my dream with stars in my eyes or should I continue with my, you know, job that gets me money and yeah, that sort of thing. Or because I look like you, I wonder if I could get into this business. So I would say, you know, take the time to, to, to listen and to give people your true input, whatever they come to you with, you know, because that's the best thing you could share with someone is your time. I love that. I think it's such great advice for leaders and for anyone who wants to be a leader. To Part, listen. Yeah, it's to listen. Mm -hmm. It's being present for someone. And I love that if you run into someone at the hotel front desk and they're really curious, but taking the time to be present and to listen to them, because I, I know what I've heard from employees, especially throughout the pandemic, is the most important thing is they wanted to be seen and heard, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, and, and you get you yeah. get you get that back in you know so so much if you just say I see you, I I I appreciate totally. what you're doing. You're doing such a great job. That person will go to the ends of the earth to 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 do their best oh, for you. Absolutely, and I think I mentioned to you on the way in when we were walking over here that. There's a bunch of Krispy Kremers watching this, right? So <laughs> here they are. Big fan of your work, Krispy Kreme. Right. Uh, I, I might be a repeat offender over at your uh, the, the store closest to this location. Not so much an offender, though. Is it offensive <laughs> to eat donuts? Come on, I love them. <laughs> yeah, but I think the whole notion of Krispy Kreme, it's, they have an, For an awesome, actress. Yeah. It could be very dangerous. Well, That's all I'm saying. It's it's a once in a while treat that mm -hmm. you could share with others, oh, right? Oh yes, I love Krispy Kreme. Right. Right. I love it with every fiber of my being. Well, one thing you need to know about Krispy Kreme, I've gotten to know the, um, the leadership team there and the CEO, Mike Tattersfield. Hi. I, yeah, I love 
the way he rolls in terms of being a leader when he is present for others and he gets out there and he's in all of the donut shops talking to everybody who works at Krispy Kreme and he's always talking to people about their dreams and their goals. He should do the undercover boss show. Oh, <gasps> wouldn't that be fun? I don't know. We should ask. Undercover boss. Okay. Where they go to the different stores and, you know, they put on a wig and a I think it'd be hard to disguise him though because everyone knows him. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Too yeah. recognizable. Right. So I think it's just, that's another great example of leadership when you talk about being present, seeing and hearing people, also asking them what they're dreaming about. Sounds mm -hmm. like that's what you're saying. And yeah, that's where we're giving a shout out to our Krispy Kramers for doing that. I love Yay. it. Yeah. And so, um, well, we're going to wrap up because we've got plans after this. Ooh, we are. Yeah, but I just want to thank you, Tia, for being authentically you, not only in this conversation, but as a role model throughout your epic career over the decades, paving the way for others and actually oh sharing you. ideas on how people can create cultures for themselves, you know, be successful for themselves and create sex success for others. So thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Oh here. my gosh. So good to see you. We're going to wave everyone goodbye and we're going to play our outro music. <gasps> Mahalo. Salama. Mahalo. Salama. Thank you. <laughs> He's so many Should we try and dance out? <laughs>